All right. Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, and uh, I had a chance earlier uh, while you were in your breakouts, uh, got, got to c- catch up with Dave and Ray and hear a little bit about what's happening through Parkview, uh, not only here, but all across the world. And it just, it's an amazing story. And I, I hope you all recognize, like, you're really part of a God movement here. There's something significant happening here. And I get to work with all kinds of churches all across the country. Uh, honestly, most of the churches I get to connect with, they're kind of stuck uh, in trying to figure out where they're going to go next. Uh, and I know you all have unique challenges because of growth and all the new uh, initiatives that you're taking on, but uh, I would rather have those types of challenges than the challenges I'm typically wrestling with as I'm working with churches. So it, it's a great thing that God's doing through the ministry, and I'm glad that you have all engaged uh, the way you have with your leadership responsibilities and then just just helping to uh, fulfill the cause that God has for this ministry in, the, in this community. That's that's a big thing. So thank you for that commitment. Well, um, uh, I, I hope the lunch was phenomenal. Uh, I hope your conversation with yeah, I hope your conversation with your team was great. Uh, we're I'm going to want to in a moment uh, a little bit later on uh, we'll have another Q and A time and uh, that can be related to what we're about ready to talk about or if questions popped up in your group conversations uh, and you want to process those here, uh, I'd love to do that as well. Uh, but we're going to kind of just dive into these uh, last two key aspects of what it looks like to rethink leadership. Uh, and I'm going to probably need uh, some help on this next one, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, kind of lead you through that. The, the third key thing that we really have to remember as we're trying to rethink leadership and our next steps in, in our ministry as well is just to make sure that as we're identifying people for new ministry roles, particularly leadership roles, if we're going to give them leadership capacity, we have to make sure they have leadership capacity before they, we, we can give them a leadership position. Uh, you have to have one before you can have the other. Um, and kind of leading into this conversation, I wanted to share with you, I really kind of see this as my personal calling as I'm engaged in ministry today. Uh, and I've kind of looked at this through the years as if I'm not doing this, I'm not doing what God called me to do in my leadership and my influence in the church. In fact, I read this passage this way. It's Ephesians 4 verses 12 and 13. My responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. My responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work of God. And again, uh, I mentioned this to uh, you before we, we had our breakouts. This is, it's biblical, but it's very different from how I see most churches operating. Most churches, um, the pastors, the staff leaders, the volunteer leaders, they're the ones that are doing the ministry. They're not equipping people. Uh, and yet I look at scripture and our primary calling as leaders, as influencers in the church is to equip God's people to do the work of God. It's all about helping people identify how did God wire me up? What, what are the gifts he gave me? What are the unique talents and skills that I have? What has he made me passionate about? How can I help other people take their next step toward Christ? And let me just pause for a moment here because in the room, again, if you are a Christ follower, scripture tells us you have spiritual gifts. Uh, I also look at scripture and see that we all don't have the same gifts. We're all unique. Um, It's why in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the body of Christ and mentions all the different parts of the body and how we all come together to make a healthy physical body. The same thing happens with the body of Christ. We have all these unique people, all these unique parts come together represented by different spiritual gifts. And when we come together under the mission God's called us to, the body of Christ is healthier as well. But we need all those unique parts. And some of you have different unique spiritual gifts as a result of that. All kinds of spiritual gifts, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, assuming, represented in this room. 
And some, I mean, there are some tools to help us. I mean, you could Google spiritual gifts tests, and there's some free online tests that you can take to see what spiritual gifts you have. And I suppose there's some, there's some help, uh, some knowledge that could be gleaned through that. Uh, but let me, I think this is absolutely the best way to identify what spiritual gift you have. Are you ready for this? This is great. Um, what you need to do, is you need to pay attention to the lives of people around you. And when you identify someone that needs help, someone that needs encouragement, someone that needs to take a next step, you respond and you help them. And what I've learned is when, you, when God tells you, you got to help this person and you respond in obedience and help that person, the way you respond will always reflect the spiritual gifts that God's put into your life. And so uh, if God has gifted you as an example to, to be, uh, 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 have a unique gift of prayer, for example, you see a challenge in someone's life, you respond, your instinct immediately is to pray for that person. And in essence, you're using your spiritual gift. Some, some people in the room, uh, you just uh, you got, got that handyman thing in you, that craftsmanship is in you. And, and I really believe that is part of, uh, that is a unique gift that God can give some of us. And so someone's in need and you, and you respond in obedience and you try to help that person. Your instinct goes, because God put this into you, I'm going to use the gifts God gave me. I'm going to build something. I'm going to repair something and help them out. Uh, some people in the room, God's uniquely gifted you with the spiritual gift of leadership. And when, when you see a challenge, when you see people needing help, your instinct is when you step into that and you're obedient, immediately you jump into leader mode and you're thinking, I need to build a team. I need to bring people together. We need to develop a plan and, and a strategy to attack this challenge. And so um, I wouldn't, uh, well, a couple things related to this. Yeah, again, uh, certainly, first of all, read your Bible, study scripture, learn about the spiritual gifts. I highly recommend that. Uh, Secondly, yeah, you can can take some tests and things like that to learn about your spiritual gifts. But I would just encourage you, be responsive to those God moments. Be Be responsive to the people that God puts in your lives and just help people take their next steps. And based on how you respond, I think over time you'll see you're going you're gonna to respond based on the way God has wired you up. Now, I say that specifically in mind, again, because primarily today's conversation is about leadership, that if you are a leader and you are responding to someone's needs, responding to a challenge, you need to use your leadership gift. But... When we look at scripture, scripture challenges us as leaders that we should not be doing all the work ourselves. We should be equipping God's people to do the work of God. We, we have to build the teams. We have to bring the body of Christ together. Because if we try to do it all ourselves, we're only getting a couple pieces of the body of Christ. Because none of us has all the spiritual gifts. And so in order for us to get the full weight, the full strength of the body of Christ, we have to equip God's people to do the work of God. You see how that works? Now, let me uh, just, these are two obvious things, but when I look at this scripture, I just want to make sure you're catching this, um, that because we're called to equip God's people to do his work, a couple things that, th- that, that this uh, passage suggests. First of all, the leader doesn't do the work. God's people do the work. And so if you ever find yourself in ministry or leadership and, and you feel the weight of responsibility just on your shoulders, I think you feel that weight for a reason. And the reason is God didn't design ministry, God didn't design leadership to happen like that. He designed that to happen with other people. And so if you ever get to the place where you feel like it's all your responsibility, that the red flag should go up and you should be thinking, God, in scripture, I know uh, God did not intend for ministry to be done alone. 
And as I look at scripture, you know, even in the early days, um, as Jesus was sending out the disciples, he was sending them out in teams of two. Now, I don't know why he did that. Uh, First of all, we can just accept it. Since Jesus did that, uh, we can, you know, leadership should be done together with somebody else. But practically, again, I look at this, why would he he send folks out together rather than individually? Because couldn't he just, couldn't they have spread the gospel much faster if they would have spread to all different areas rather than partnering up? Well, there must be some wisdom here. And I think part of it is um, certainly multiple gifts represented when, when people go out and engage ministry together. I do think there's something, and you've probably experienced this, when you get to, get to a place where you feel alone, um, that, that can be a dangerous spot, can't it? Because we don't have somebody living life with us, so there's not somebody there to encourage uh, us. There's not somebody there to celebrate with us. There's not somebody there to challenge us. There's not accountability there to make sure that we're staying on the right path. And so I think Jesus was just recognizing, particularly with the leaders, the influencers, I can't send them out alone. And so one of the principles here is, yeah, we never should do ministry alone, but we should never do leadership alone either. We should always be partnering up and locking arms with somebody else because we're stronger and the body of Christ is stronger when we do it that way. The other, the other point I just want to make here is what this verse suggests is that God's people don't do the leader's work, they do God's work. And again, for those of us in leadership where we're influencing other people, I think we just have to remember, folks that are gathered here, they're not on my mission. They're on God's mission. And uh, I think at times we can kind of let, because we're so passionate about our area of ministry and our agenda, that we can almost unconsciously, or sub, not unconsciously, that would be bad, subconsciously, uh, I guess that meal was too good, huh? It's impacting the brain now. Uh, Subconsciously, I think we can think, you know, my ministry area is so important that I need to just find people to accomplish the mission God's called me to. When in reality, of course, we're called to equip God's people to do his work. And that is a frequent reminder as leaders I think we need to consider. Now, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be talking about leadership capacity for a little bit this afternoon. Um, And basically the way I see it, um, there are all kinds of different spiritual gifts. And so all of us are unique in that way. Uh, And as I look at scripture, I also see that even those of us who do have the spiritual gift of leadership that there are actually different levels of leadership capacity. And I've referenced early this morning that passage in Exodus 18 where Jethro is talking uh, to Moses and encouraging Moses to find other capable, trustworthy leaders. And they identify through that new leaders, leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. And to me, that's just acknowledging, and I can't explain why this happens, uh, but when God equips people to be leaders, to be influencers, he designs different levels of capacity for each of us as well. And to help uh, dive into this a little bit further, I need four volunteers, okay? So I need four people to represent those four levels of leadership, and I'm going to ask you to actually like come up come forward. And so there's one here. Uh, yes, in the back, I see that hand. This is, uh, this is, I feel like an evangelist here. Uh, yes. And we need at least one man in the, in the house that, okay. Yeah. Come on forward. All right. And Jim, one of these mics still work. I have one that has uh, it's not purple. It's not pink. Uh, it's fuchsia, fuchsia tape. Got it. Is, oh, I got to turn it on. Bottom, no, yes. Yeah, they don't pay me to do stuff like that. I'm sorry, I'm just technically illiterate. All right, Uh, so uh, I don't know you. Introduce yourself to me, please. My name is Chris. Yeah, and how long have you been around Parkview? 13 years. Yeah, and where where do you serve? Mana. 
man, what's that? I'm not, I'm new. Oh, okay. Well, we uh, serve Sunday morning lunch okay. to our homeless families. Oh, and, great. Uh, yeah. Very good. All right. So this is Chris. Uh, and Michelle. My name is Michelle. I've been a Round Park View for exactly two years. Last Sunday was two years. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Park View. Yeah. Um, and I am in the children's ministry with fourth, or excuse me, fifth grade girls this All year. Right. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Go. yeah. Not sure who that All right, was. Michelle. And then Michelle. your name's Michelle too? It is. Oh, well, that's great. It's easy, it's easy for me then. Two out of four are Michelle. Yeah, yeah. I'm the second one. And I've been at Parkview for about three and a half years now, and I serve on the security team. All right. Fantastic. And Gary? My name is Gary. Uh, my wife and I have been at Parkview, Parkview for five years, I think. Okay. They're about... And we serve on the First Impressions team. All right, fantastic. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, that was the extent of your communications uh, during this little exercise. Uh, uh, oh, it's going to be on, Jim. Sorry about that. Um, uh, and uh, really, at this point, all I need you to do is stand there and say nothing. All right? Can you do that? <laughs> All right, so, uh, and uh, what I want to do is talk about these four leaders, and for today, though I'm sure you are all leaders of thousands, I'm going to talk about the different levels of leadership capacity. In fact, I sense that you are the strongest leader, Chris, so I'm going to start down here with Gary. Gary is going to represent our leader of tens, Okay. And what would distinguish his leadership right now is he leads by example. In other words, he's modeling for others. This is, this is how we do things around here. Uh, this is how we accomplish our ministry. Uh, he's demonstrating in, in his actions. This is, uh, this is how our values shape what we do and how we make decisions. Uh, everything he's doing, he's getting his hands dirty, and he's doing it all, uh, and it's a good thing, especially on the, in the early days of a new ministry or a new, new church plant, as an example. Uh, if that's happening, the leader has to model for others. They, they lead by example. Now, the challenge is this. If Gary, throughout his leadership, only did it himself, well, he only, there's only so much Gary can do, right? He only has so much time. Uh, he's trying to live life. You said you're married? Yes. Well, congratulations. How long have you been married? Seven years in October. I got you beat, see? That's, but good. That's good. Seven's good. Uh, so, uh, but he would be doing it all himself. And as a result of that, his, his ministry impact, his influence in people's lives would be limited because he would be doing so much. All right. Uh, but he leads by example. That's, that, that is a, that's a picture of what a leader of tens look like. All right. Now, Michelle, Michelle, number one, Michelle, number one is our example of a leader of fifties. And what distinguishes her uh, leadership is that she's now beginning to lead others. And the big key here is she has learned how to delegate. And so instead of doing it all herself, now she's recognized we can get a whole lot more done if I start inviting other people to take on some tasks as well. And so she starts giving some other people other responsibilities to get stuff done. Now, again, this is a great next step for leaders because we can do more. It frees us up to do the stuff that God really created us to do. The challenge, and I kind of alluded to this um, this morning, is when you delegate, though, you're, you still have to stay on top of everything. You may not be doing it all, uh, but you are, you're just, you're signing all the tasks. You're making sure everything gets done right. When those tasks get done, you have to assign new tasks. Anytime there's a decision to be made, it's coming back to you. And so although more is being accomplished because she's taken that step in her leadership, uh, it's still, there's only so much time that Michelle has in a day, right? And if you're trying to orchestrate what everybody's doing, it's, it's, you're going to be limited, right? right? Oh, except for you're not supposed to talk. I'm sorry. So 
Yeah, I know, Michelle, I know this is going to be a challenge for you, but Michelle number two is our example of a leader of hundreds. You're doing a great job so far. Uh, And what distinguishes her leadership capacity is she has started to lead other leaders. In other words, she's moved from delegation to really empowering others. Now, as we mentioned this morning, when you empower Uh, you don't abdicate. That's a big fancy word for just giving away, uh, giving away leadership, giving away decision making, uh, but not really helping keep people accountable to where we're going. And it would be very dangerous, particularly in a church, if we just freed people to make decisions and do whatever they want. Could you imagine all the different directions that we'd be going in? And so Michelle, though, has recognized if I if I delegate and only delegate, I'm going to be limited. I'm going to take this next step where I'm going to identify other capable leaders to take responsibility for key areas of ministry in our context and to begin to make decisions, build teams, and make ministry happen. And so she has moved to a completely different place in her leadership. Now, I mentioned I get to work with churches all the time, and so let me, let me share this with you. If I were working with senior pastors, this is what I see, and maybe you've seen it in some of your previous experiences. If a senior pastor thinks he has to do it all himself, I've seen churches grow to about 100 people. And at that point, the church stops growing because, again, the, the pastor is trying to do it all. He's trying to do it all himself. And there's just not enough of him to accomplish everything that needs to be done in a church. And there are only so many people that he can be caring for and discipling and mentoring. And so the church will just kind of plateau at that point. Leader of 50s, typically the place where I see the church stop growing is about three or 400 people. Uh, And again, at that point, the pastor is trying to stay on top of all that's happening, every detail, every decision, and it just becomes too much. And so a church grows to three or 400 people, and it stops growing. Interestingly enough, there's kind of a plateau level for a leader where Michelle is as well, leader of hundreds. If it were a senior pastor, typically I get a call when a church hits about 1,500 people, 2,000, somewhere in that range good-sized church, uh, but even those leaders find themselves kind of bumping up against a lid. And usually the reason why is this. They themselves have started to empower other leaders, but the folks around them, they're still either just delegating or trying to do it all themselves. And so it's limiting the impact of of the team uh, because basically leaders aren't being reproduced. Leaders aren't being developed. Leaders in the whole ministry aren't being empowered. And so the church still has constraints. They can't go to the next level because although the senior pastor has learned how to empower others, the rest of the staff team and volunteer leaders haven't taken that step. The example here then that Chris is representing is the leader of thousands. And what distinguishes her leadership is uh, she recognizes uh, I have to lead through the vision. As the church grows, my primary responsibility has to make, just needs to make sure that I'm keeping everybody focused in the same direction. And that's huge. I mean, you've probably even experienced this a little bit as, as, as uh, Parkview has grown in recent years. As more people come to the church, everybody comes with their ideas and what they, the mark that they personally want to make on the ministry. And if they're not fully aligned to the mission God's called Parkview to, the specific vision that he's called you to, the way you just do life together and they start to pull in d- different directions, that, that could be that could create division in the church. And so uh, Chris has recognized, I have to lead through the vision. I have to keep that focus in front of, front of the church or in front of the ministries. Now, um, leader of tens, lead, leading by example. Leader of fifties, leading other people. Leader of hundreds, leading other leaders. And leader of thousands, working through the vision. Leading through the vision. Now, you all did a fabulous job, so why don't you, uh, you can have a seat. Let's give them a round of applause. I, I would just like to say, you know, I've had a lot of volunteers come up for that exercise, and you may have been the best group of people just to stand and say nothing that I've ever had. Really. 
Very phenomenal. All right, so that does, um, that, that conversation usually leads to several questions. And so let me, let me uh, first of all, answer the mo- more common questions I get. One of the questions I get is, Tony, I mean, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm probably leading like a leader of tens right now. Do you think it's possible for me to take steps to become a leader of 50s and a leader of 100s and so on? And I do. I do think we can, if we engage in right relationships to help us learn a little bit more of what it takes to lead at those different levels, and we discipline ourselves in new ways, and we're constantly uh, reading God's Word and engaging leadership resources and mentoring opportunities, I do think it's possible to take those steps. What I've learned, though, is that that just won't be handed to you. Somebody else isn't likely going to see you as a leader of tens and just they they are un, unlikely to take that responsibility for you. What I have learned is leaders, they kind of take that initiative on their own. And so if they are sensing, I, I can go to a different place in my leadership over time. Leaders, if they're really gifted and they have that capacity to grow, they're going to take that initiative. It's kind of like I mentioned to you this morning. I, I've never asked someone to be my mentor, but I'm the one initiating those types of conversations so that I can continue to grow in my leadership as well. Uh, another question that often pops up is, uh, you know, Tony, I'm positioned as a leader of 50s or a leader of 100s right now, but honestly, I'm just frustrated. I'm being, I'm, I'm feeling the tension all the time of trying to be somebody I'm not, uh, and just recognizing really God designed me to be more of a leader of 10s. And if that's the case, boy, you know what? The best thing you could do is just share with whoever it is that's kind of your boss in the ministry, if it's a volunteer leader or a staff leader, just to be open about that conversation because here's the deal. If, if you're feeling the stress because you're in a position that's requiring you to be somebody that God didn't create you to be, you're, you're never going to be fulfilled, And I would rather you get to the place that God designed you to be. And if that means being in a different type of ministry or a different type of responsibility, boy, that's going to get you to a place where you're more fulfilled. But I also believe that that helps the overall health of the church, right? Uh, Here's another question is, well, uh, Tony, does, uh, does it mean that we need to have equal numbers of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands? Not at all. In fact, we need far more people that are great leaders of tens, and even a step further over here, just people using their spiritual gifts, people that are doing ministry, serving in ministry faithfully. We need far more people doing that than we would ever need leaders of thousands. But as a growing church, we do need to encourage people to take those steps because as the church grows, we will need more leaders of hundreds and thousands as well. Um, I had on the tip of my finger was another question. Maybe this is a place where we should transition to questions. So, uh, if you have questions about that that whole topic of leadership capacity or anything that maybe you you were wrestling with in your breakouts, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to hit that uh, to talk about that before we jump into the last thought here today. So, what questions? Oh, oh, I forgot. I, I got it now. See, the coffee's starting to kick in, Glenn. Here's another question. Somebody uh, will, will say, well, you know, Tony, I've moved to a place now where I, I'm a leader of thousands. Does that mean I, I never have to empower, delegate, or lead by example? And the answer to that, of course, is no way. A great leader looks at a situation and identifies how they need to lead in that situation. And so there are going to be times, even if you are in a position where you're leading thousands or leading hundreds, where you're still going to have to delegate and you're going to still have to lead by example. But if God has given you that level of leadership capacity, I just want to encourage you and challenge you, if you're trying to do it all yourself and if you're only leaning on delegation, then that's going to be the lid on your leadership. And I want you to grow beyond that potential. All right, so with that, let's, let's see if there are any questions here. All right, you didn't have enough coffee after lunch, did you? Yes, sir. 
All right, wait, wait. We'll get you a mic so that everybody can hear your question. It's a combination of observation and question. Yeah. Um, as you as you implied, not everyone not everyone will move from one type of leader to another. Right. Some will, and some won't. I mean, that may be the challenge: is to determine whether you are in your sweet spot as a leader of uh, tens or hundreds or fifties, versus the rare person who is a leader of thousands. Yeah. I'm also thinking two examples from Scripture. Uh, what's your thought on uh, Jesus calling the 12? My thinking is, since we know so little about some of those 12, some of those might have been leaders of tens. Yeah. Others, Peter, James, John, might be leaders of thousands, and that's where they were meant to be. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do see that example even in the New Testament as well as they're identifying different leaders and different roles, and you just watch how the ministries carry out. I think there's definitely a distinction there too. And so what a great picture, right, that healthy churches have that representation of leadership giftedness, just like healthy churches have the representation of all the spiritual gifts. And so I think it's a great observation. Yeah, that's great. Other, other questions or thoughts? Yeah. You want to take that one, Kim? So... I work in uh, student ministries and stuff, so like middle school and high school, and I've uh, asked people to, like, I ask kids to tell me what the gospel is, Hmm. and a lot of times, even though they're raised in the church, and they're, like, told these things every week, every Sunday, every Tuesday, whatever, uh, they cannot explain to me what it is, Mm -hmm. and so if the students who are raised in the church cannot explain to me what it is, what about the people on Sunday mornings? Where Are they able to tell me too? So, I mean, this is more of just a comment, but uh, where the uh, Ephesians verse, where it said we have to equip people yep. to spread the word, yep. we can't just teach them it. We have to teach them how to as well. Yeah, yeah that's a great word. Uh, and it's a good example, particularly when you get to leadership positions. You know, there's counsel in scripture not to not to give ministry too quickly, not to lay hands uh, on someone too quickly when it comes to putting them in a leader, leadership role. Or I would just expand that to any place where they might be in a position to influence somebody else spiritually. We, we can't rush that. We have to make sure that people have, have uh, been adequately prepared, not only from a leadership responsibility, but obviously a spiritual maturity exists there too. I will say this, though. Um, as again, as I look at scripture, I see many examples of people that thought they weren't ready to take a next step, that they were unqualified, that they were unprepared. And really they were, it's just, they weren't obedient in taking that next step or someone hadn't challenged them to take that next step. And so I think on the extreme example of this is we can spend so much time learning God's word and gaining knowledge that we never put that into action. And that's, just as unhealthy, in my opinion, as also laying, laying on hands too quickly in that situation. So we have to find the appropriate level of tension there. Uh, with that, though, I think we're ready to jump into the fourth key thought as it relates to rethinking leadership uh, that I wanted to share with you today, as if there were only four, by the way, right? That's because we had four sessions today, so I picked four. Uh, But the fourth one that I wanted to highlight is that we really do, we have to spend more time serving people rather than using people. And this really does get to the distinction that we see in Scripture uh, behind servant leadership. And it's different than the style of leadership that we see in the rest of the world. Although, interesting, uh, you know, you look at whatever you might picture powerful leaders to look like in the marketplace or in politics or whatever have you, uh, uh, you know, that, that picture comes to your mind of the person who has the big personality. They just attract people. They're very powerful. They're very controlling. They just know how to get stuff done. That's kind of the picture that we think of where people's attention is just drawn to that leader, 
And of course, in Scripture, the picture looks completely different. Uh, The picture of leadership in ministry uh, or in the Bible modeled by Jesus is one of humility, humbleness, acknowledging uh, what what it looks like to serve others, to put others first. I'll, I'll share some examples from Scripture in a moment. And it's just interesting to see the dichotomy between what we value because we see it in Scripture for leaders and then what we see out in the rest of the world when it comes to marketplace leaders or political leaders or whatever the case might be. Interesting thing, though, is that even in the marketplace, folks that are really not Christ followers, uh, one example of this would be Jim Collins. Jim Collins, I don't think yet, is a Christ follower. Uh, But when he wrote the book, Good to Great, talked about five different levels of leadership. And it was interesting, the level five leader, uh, they identified um, it was the it was the leader that didn't believe in his own press clippings. He was putting others first. There was a lot of humility in how they approached leadership. And I'm reading how Jim Collins is writing to business leaders about the highest level of leadership. And the funny thing is it sounds just like the leaders uh, that I read about in Scripture and how Jesus modeled leadership for us. Uh, and, of course, Scripture is a great place to start when it looks at what what as a leader, as an influencer, how do I live this out? So one example is 1 Peter 5. Uh, and let me just share this with you. We need to be, as leaders, as influencers, we need to be shepherds of God's flock that is under our care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Again, that's a very different picture of leadership than we see out in the real world, isn't it? Uh, Because here, the encouragement is you don't power up over people. You don't try to control people. You try to serve people. You try to help people take their next steps. Another example of this is uh, Matthew 20. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Again, when you look at how Jesus and and Scripture model for us how we influence other people, it's not controlling people, it's actually serving others. Uh, Last verse I'll share with you here, Philippians uh, chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each, Each of you should look not to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. So, again, talking about as influencers, as people trying to impact the lives of others, humility is a priority. And for me, when I think about embracing humility, primarily what I consider is, who is God in my life? What position does, does Jesus have in my life? And for me, it's a simple verse, but I think it's very profound when it comes to thinking about humility. Uh, John 3.30 basically says, God, you must increase, I must decrease. And for me, it's helping me get what, what is my position, where, where am I in relationship to Jesus and to God. And when I, when I recognize that God is in control of every area of my life, every area of my leadership, every area of my ministry, every area of my family, when I can rightly position where he is and step out of control of my own life, that's, in effect, what it means to really embrace humility because I'm acknowledging my position under the authority of Christ. That same thing needs to happen in our leadership and our ministries too. We have to rightly position where Christ is, letting him have complete control. And as we do that, naturally our interests go to where God's heart is, which basically is just loving God and loving others. 
when, we, when God is completely in control of our lives, that's the test, is if our heart turns to God and our heart turns to other people, then we truly have embraced humility in our leadership. Uh, I, uh, I don't know around here with all the Bears fans if uh, what your taste is for uh, Tony Dungy, the former coach of the Colts. Are any Colts fans in, in the crowd today? Uh, one or two maybe, right? Yeah. Well, I love this quote from Tony Dungy. I was sitting, I was, I was sitting at a leadership event, and uh, Tony Dungy was talking and kind of sharing some of the principles behind his style of leadership. And of course, uh, this room full of leaders was very interested in learning how could you get to the top of your game, winning a Super Bowl. How did you get to that? Pl- it was about twenty years ago, right? <laughs> okay. How, how could you get to that place? And, of course, you look at football, and you would think it's all about the win, right? Uh, he's got to be just focused on what it takes to win the next game. Uh, and Tony Dungy, Joe, is just the opposite. This is what he said. I wasn't there to be their boss. I was, I was just there to help the players get better. And it's funny, uh, he's talking about football players, just helping football players, each of them individually, identify where their strengths are, what they need to be doing to become better players and recognizing as he helps everybody figure out their position, their responsibility, and get better, just take their next steps in their role on the football team. When that happens, overall, the team gets better as well. And the crazy thing is, I actually think that's what God's designed for the church is, too. It's not, it's not, it's not about the, the games that we're trying to win or lose. It's really just about helping each person take their next step toward Christ. And in the context today of a room full of leaders and influencers, I want you to recognize that. Our responsibility is to help each person figure out what did God design you to do to be a part of the mission God's called us to as a church, and how can I help you take your next step? That's how we, that's how we increase our influence and our capacity as leaders. And that's how I think the church gets stronger and healthier, both spiritually and numerically as well. Now, with that, in these closing moments, I promised I would share a few stories from my family. And it's interesting, as I've parented the last 20 years, uh, how so many things I've learned as a parent really do apply to the areas in my life where I have influence, where I'm leading others. And so um, here's, here's what you need to know. Again, four kids, this is a, just a practical parenting thing. What we've learned with four kids is they all can't be doing multiple different activities. That just can't happen. For example, uh, we have a couple athletes in our in our uh, in our home, and so it's not just the games that you have to be a part of. It's getting them to practices and everything that goes with it as well. And so we've learned only one activity at a time. And to be honest, with four kids, the other thing that we've learned along the way is not all the kids can be involved in in one activity at the same time either. We can't do four activities outside of school in the Morgan household. We just, we can't, we can't do that. And so what we've learned is every, every kid kind of has their season. And uh, the story I'm going to offer to you is from several years ago. Uh, In fact, our youngest, Brooke, who is a fourth grader now, she's nine now, was three at the time. And this was Jacob's season. He was playing basketball. And so because it was his season, uh, we, we just don't send him off and we don't leave the kids at home and we go, it's a whole family thing. So we're doing this as a family. We're going to go watch Jacob play basketball. And so uh, got, the, you know, got the three, four kids uh, ready to go. Uh, Jacob's in his uniform. I'm, I'm planning ahead. I'm thinking this is a great parenting move, a great fathering move, uh, because I'm recognizing even, even before we leave the house that our three-year-old, Brooke, just has a short attention span. I, I mean, some of you work with preschoolers. What would you guess the attention span of a, a three-year-old is? 
About three minutes. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, and so I'm recognizing she's only going to be watching Jacob play for a few minutes, so I need to go prepared. And so I grabbed a bag and put toys in the bag. I put books in the bag. I put coloring books in the bag. And I'm going to the gym prepared for the fact that my three-year-old has a short attention span. I'm thinking, this is a great parenting move. So we get to the game. And the plan is going as expected because Jacob starts the game and all of the kids are watching, including Brooke. But after just a little bit, she starts to get antsy. And her first reaction is to turn to the bag. And I'm thinking, yes, I've nailed this. And so she starts pulling out toys and books and things like that and starts playing. The only problem was I didn't do the math and I, I, I packed a number of things for her to do, but I didn't pack enough. And so she got through playing with the different things in the bag, and her time ran out. The game was still going on, but the bag was empty. And so her next step then was to engage with her older sister, Abby. There's about a five-year age span. So Brooke is three, Abby's eight, and Brooke is starting to play now, wanting to interact with her older sister, which on the front end is a really good thing. But again, the game is going longer, and that playing, that engagement, that fun activity that they're having over time starts to turn into kind of a pestering type of a thing. And then a little bit later, there it's an all-out brawl to the, to the point that our eight-year-old just kind of shoves Brooke, the youngest. Now, to be honest, Brooke deserved it. Uh, but you can imagine she just got shoved by her older, sis, uh, older sister. So she's in major tantrum mode. At the time, I'm a pastor. And so I'm feeling every eye in the house turn towards me, wondering, what is the pastor going to do now? Typical pastor's kids. Well, as the father, since I was still much larger than my three-year-old, it was just instinct. But I grabbed her by both her arms. I picked her up, and I repositioned her away from her older sister. Brooke looks at me, folds her arms. She says, Daddy, you're not in charge of me. Oh, I tell you what, little girl, I am definitely in charge of you. In fact, as a three-year-old, I'm making every decision that there is for her. I'm deciding what she wears, what she eats, who she plays with, what she does when she plays with them. I'm making every decision that there is for that little three-year-old. Now, let me ask you this. What if I parented my 18-year-old like I parent my three-year-old? What if with Kayla, our oldest, who's now off to school, I was telling her what to wear, what to eat, who to play with, what she could do when she was having fun? How would Kayla, my oldest, how would she respond to that? She wouldn't talk to me. What else? She'd laugh at me. She would rebel, right? Here's here's the leadership moment here for you. Ready for this? My concern is that as leaders, as influencers in other people's lives, we spend a lot of time like we're leading three-year-olds rather than like we're leading young adults. In other words, we're constantly telling people, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. This is when you need to get it done. Do you hear what I'm saying? Instead of really preparing other people to make good decisions, to prepare people to take new responsibilities, to prepare people to take next steps. And this is where I think we need to go as leaders, as influencers in the ministry. And again, this is, not, this is not just a message for the staff leaders in the room, though I think you need to hear this. This is, this is for you. You need to look at where you are in your leadership and how you're helping people take their next steps, not only in their spiritual maturity, but how they're leading and influencing others as well. In other words, you can't lead people like you're leading three-year-olds. You just can't do that. All right. With that, uh, I know there's another team breakout time coming up, uh, but let me just say uh, it's been a 
joy to be with you today. And again, I just want to acknowledge what uh, Pastor Dave and Pastor Ray shared earlier. I realize that there's football on right now, right? So this is a great commitment that you've made. Uh, but I'm so encouraged by that because, you, again, you're just acknowledging this is a big deal. The mission that God's called us to, it's a big deal. And for you to invest this time to take your next steps, well, that's just incredible. And so with that, let me pray for you, and then I'm going to have Kim up and help uh, transition us to our next steps. Lord, thank you for Parkview. Thank, thank you for the presence they have in this community. And it's very evident, Lord, that you have just done some incredible things through this ministry in the last years. I mean, many, hundreds of lives that have been changed. Uh, but we all, we just, we just have this sense, Lord, that there's something bigger. Excuse me, something bigger that you've called us to. And we, we recognize, though we're going to a place we've never been before, that we can continue to rely on you for wisdom, for strength, for power. And, folk, and I just pray for the folks in this room, too, that you really would continue to bless them in an amazing way and really allow your giftedness in each one of them to be used to its complete and maximum impact, Lord. We desperately want your mission accomplished. We want people to know you. We want people to engage a relationship with you. We want people to experience the forgiveness we've received, the purpose we've received, the opportunity we've received to be a part of your mission. Lord, we want that for the folks in this community. And so I do, Lord. I just pray a great blessing on this group of, of leaders and influencers. Allow them to be, uh, have maximum impact in the ministry that you've called them to. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Tony, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just stay up here just for a second. I think it's appropriate that we give Tony a round of applause for uh, all that he's brought. Thank you. And I would like to pray for you, oh. and then, uh, and then we'll, we have a little bit of something for you. So, thank Father, you. thank you for Tony. Uh, thank you for his ministry and uh, for bringing him here for uh, just such a time as this in the life of your local church called Parkview. And so, Lord, please continue to use Tony and his ministry to equip your church wherever uh, that may be, whatever town that might be in, um, to accomplish your purposes, to raise up leaders who are effective and, um, and fruitful. And so, Lord, give him a, a safe trip back home so that he could be reunited with his family. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So before um, we are, you know, head to our breakouts, we have a little gift for you, Tony, that um, Kim is going to bring up here, knowing that you are a Cleveland oh, fan. Yes. Thank you. It's a Cleveland Browns shirt. So. Thank you so much. Before we uh, switch out to the breakouts, if you go ahead and put the breakout slide up there, um, it's the classrooms that you're going to be going to, the same ones when you're out. We have time, so go ahead and take a 10-minute break. Um, go ahead and caffeine load. I think we still have some Red Bulls out there. You might want to put it in your coffee, eat some chocolate too, and we'll be good for the afternoon sessions. But thank you again, Tony. Thank you. Thank you.